Hey everyone, this is Dorinda Wilson. Welcome to this week's podcast. You might not know me already, so if you don't, I am married to Daryl. We have been married for 28 years. We have eight kids, ages 13 to 27. We have four grandkids, and we have been homeschooling for over 22 years. If you haven't connected with me yet on Facebook or Instagram, you can find me there. Facebook is just Dorinda Wilson. Instagram, at Dorinda Lee Wilson. And then, of course, my podcast and blog at DorindaWilson.com. Also, if you didn't know already, I have written a simple, mercifully short book on homeschooling called The Unhurried Homeschooler. You can check that out on Amazon. It has been apparently a big encouragement to a lot of moms, and I'm so grateful. Uh, I was one of those moms who uh, didn't have a lot of time to read, and so when I decided to write a book, I thought I would keep it short and to the point, and so I hope you'll go check that out. Also, recently, January 22nd, I released my second book called Unhurried Grace for a Mom's Heart. It is a 31-day devotional written just for moms, and that is also on Amazon. I would love for you to go check that out there. Today, I have a very special guest. My husband is here with me. Hey, hon. Thanks for being here. Hey, my pleasure. So last week he was with me and we talked about how uh, we really believe that children are a blessing and not a burden like we seem to be told by the world on a regular basis. God has a very different view of children than the world does. And so we talked about that last week. I bribed him with coffee last week. This week I had to amp it up a little bit and I had to make him some cookies. So (laughs) we just had cookies and coffee and we are raw, raw, rawing to go here. But we wanted to talk about what it looked like for us to support a family of 10 on one modest income. At first I said one income and my husband said, you better put modest in there because people are going to think I'm a doctor or something and you know make a hundred or 200,000 a year. And that was not the case. So we wanted to share this, just our experience with you and just what the Lord has kind of taught us over the years. And maybe you'll be able to glean some ideas out of um, out of some of the things that we we learned along the way. That's always our hope. But um, we're excited because we feel like some of these ideas might be helpful for you all. So from the beginning, when we were first married, even before, we talked about our income and we talked about that. Um, actually, you told me, honey, that you, we were going to be committed to living on one income mm-hmm. because it was really important to us for me to stay home with the kids. Right. So we were committed to that. So if I happened to make a little extra money doing something, which every now and then happened for a short period of time, um, we did not come to depend on that. No. It was used for extras or saved or it wasn't part of living expenses. Right. Or if we wanted to do something special with the kids or something like that. So that was one just perspective that we took from the very beginning. And um, I know that a lot of families really feel like the the mom needs to do something or uh, the mom feels like she should be doing something because they're struggling financially. And that would just be something to really pray over because right. what what is your take on that? Well, it's, it's so case by case, individual by individual. I mean, some moms like a little something on the side because mm-hmm. it keeps them in touch with uh, a little bit of something other right. than mothering. So some right. variety. 
But it really takes a lot of discipline not to get consumed by it and right. let it take over, you know, mm-hmm. knowing that your first job is really raising, training, teaching those children. And uh, if you can do a little bit here and there, that helps. Right. But uh, just don't get carried away with it. And for us, you know, the living on one income before we had children. Right. Um, we wanted it to be a very happy occasion when we got pregnant, not, oh my gosh, what are we going to do? Right. And uh, because that throws our family finances in whirlwind. But it was, so it was total joy for us because we were used to living on one income and right. that wasn't going to change with babies. Right, so. right. And it really took the pressure off of me because I felt like um, that was not an expectation that you had of me. Um, you know, motherhood and keeping a house and being you know, the wife that we hope to be is, is enough. It's a lot. And, uh, my, f- my fear and some of the things that I see right now are a lot of moms getting caught up in, um, trying to make that second income. And that becomes the priority over family life and, and over, uh, you know, just being there, being the hub of the home. I was talking with our 15 year old the other day, just kind of, we were kind of broaching this subject a little bit for some reason. I don't remember why, but she said, Mom, it's so true when you're, you are the hub of the home. When, you know, if dad's upset or not in a good mood, you know, it's, it's okay. We're, we're all okay, but, you know, because you're stable and everything's fine. But boy, when you're not and you're upset or stressed, it really affects all of us. And so this is coming from a 15-year-old who has seen both of that. I mean, I have, there are times I've been stressed out about certain things and it does affect the whole family. And my mom used to say that the, the mother, the wife is the hub of the home. And if she starts to fall apart, everything falls apart. And so, you know, no pressure or anything, but, (laughs) but I think the point of that is not the pressure. The point of that is to re that God's, uh, arranged it that way, I think, because he knew that that's the way it would work the best, mm-hmm. you know? So we believe, like we said last week, that children are a blessing. And that was, you know, you just said, we, we, we decided that one income is what we would, that's what we would live on so that when the children came, we would be excited. And because we believe they are a blessing. And as we walked along and just kept having more children, we banked on that fact that children are a blessing and that God would provide. And we're not sitting here telling you that we never struggled because that is not the case. But God used those times in our marriage to really bind us together, you know, because we knew these are our priorities. I'm going to be home with the kids and we're going to live on his income. And we agreed on that and we moved forward with that as our filter really Mm -hmm. and so it is important to be on the same page when it comes to that so I would say above anything pray with your husband and get on the same page as to what you're going to be in agreement on and um, so that you can walk that out together it's so important um, because it can really just finances can destroy your marriage and we've seen it happen so um so one of the things we did for a while, because we felt like we needed to really rein things in, we did the envelope system, which was cash in envelopes, right? Mm-hmm. And we had different categories. So how did we do that? Well, basically, you have a category for food, you have a category for entertainment, um, gas for the mm-hmm. car, you know, you just break it down into whatever categories you draw from and you put 
you budget that. You put the cash in the envelope right. and you take the cash out to pay for the things. As right. you, and, you know, when you're out of cash, you're done buying food and you're done entertainment or, right. you know, you're not going to go for a drive because right. <laughs> your gas envelope is empty, you know. Right, so, or if you have something left in the other envelope and you know you're good in that department, you can, you know, bring it on over to the other. You can rob from one envelope to the right. other, but remember, you just... There's opportunity you know, cost there. Right. You may take a long drive <laughs> and not have anything left in your food envelope. So, but. so yeah. So, and the thing that we did was we looked at our income and we said, okay, how much, you know, kind of how much are we spending? What do you think we can get by with? But all within the scope of what we made monthly. Right. Right. So we're living within our income. And for us, the envelope system eventually fell by the wayside, but it was sort of the training instrument because mm-hmm. then we started questioning pretty much everything right. we bought. So we got used to being frugal. And thoughtful. And thoughtful about, about everything we spent, you know. Right. I, I've, uh, you know, developed this really strong gut feeling. Like when I'm out shopping, um, I've learned that there's, I get a gut feeling about, no, that's not something you need to have. And that's, that's extra. I mean, sometimes the Lord, especially when things are tight, he seems to make it super, like super clear. And I try to really, uh, really hard to listen to that, but it all started with training from that envelope system. Mm -hmm. And I remember one thing you said to me when we were first married, I made some comment about that. It's only $3. And you said, he was speaking my language. Coffee's my language, right? He said, he said, you know, that's a that's the price of a latte, right? And I was like, ooh. So then I started to think, well, would I rather have that thing or would I rather have a latte? And that got me to start thinking, well, if I spend it here, I can't spend it here. So that is what you called opportunity cost. Right. So right. you can't spend something and not have it take from somewhere else, especially if you're living on a... It's an economic term. term. Yeah, if you spend it on A, you don't have it to spend on B. Right. So the real cost of A is B. Right. And to always just be aware of that. And so that was really helpful for us. But we're going to start, we're just going to kind of go through different categories. Um, You had this idea, let's take one category at a time. Let's talk about food first. So that was kind of more my my department. so I'll share a little bit about some of the things that I did. And there were some suggestions that you made along the way that were super helpful too. But lost leaders. Now, if you don't know what those are, if you look at a sale flyer, you know, the sale flyers that go out every week for the local grocery stores, whatever's on the front is typically something that store is actually losing money on because they're giving you such a good deal so that you'll come into the store and they're banking on the fact that you're going to buy a bunch of other stuff. And so in the end, they're not going to lose money. So people who shop the lost leaders are not the people the grocery store likes, but nobody knows you're doing it, so it's no big deal. <laughs> but this was really good a really good suggestion that I had heard years ago. You, so you go to each of the grocery, you, you look at the flyers, you can do those online now, but we used to get them in the mail. And we'd, I'd look at them, and then the first day of the sale, I would go in because a lot of times, you know, they will, they'll only have a limited amount of things, you know, maybe something in the meat department. You get something, and it's a super good deal, you know, and you go in there, and they're gone because they only have so much of it. And like I said, just to get everybody in the door. But if you can go to those stores early and get those lost leaders and make some of your meals based on those particular items... That can save you a lot of money or just throw them in the freezer 
So, you know, if it's a pound of hamburger or, you know, a package of uh, pork chops or whatever, you can just throw it in the freezer. Yeah, if, fryer, if chicken breasts are on sale, then we're going to explore all sorts of new ways to make things with chicken breasts. Right, and th- that's the beauty of the internet, man. You get online, and I've done this before. A mom suggested this years ago, and I loved it. She said all she does is she takes, she looks in her cupboard, and she's like, okay, I've got chicken, I've got green chilies, I've got, and she would just go down the list of things she could see in her cupboard and in her fridge, and she put them in the search bar, and recipes will come up with those particular ingredients in them. And I thought, that is brilliant, because if you're just limited on what you've got to use, that could be, that can be super helpful. One of the things uh, you can do is talk to your butcher at the grocery store to see if you can get, um, you know, cuts of meat or extras or... You know, I think they tend to be really helpful. If you just go in and say, you know, I've got a big family or we're trying we're trying to live on a budget. Can you make some recommendations? Do you have, sometimes in the sections they'll have um, reduced meat that's just about to its pull date and you'll get a few dollars off of a big package of meat and that can be super helpful. So we like to make bone broth. So a lot of times you can go and ask for, you know, the bones because they're just going to throw them away or they'll sell them to you really cheap. And that has a ton of nutrition in it. That could probably be a whole nother podcast, but you can throw those bones in the freezer. And then when you're ready to make bone broth, you can do that. Um, I've got a big turkey in my freezer right now that I got for a really good deal. We'll make a big turkey dinner. Um, You can strip the rest of the meat off and freeze it or uh, make casseroles ahead of time and put them in the freezer with that extra meat and then take those bones and make that bone broth. Um, Soups are very, very uh, cost-effective to make, especially if you do the bone broth. I do a big batch of it and I will put it in Ziploc uh, freezer bags and throw it in the freezer and then pull it out whenever I want to make soup and just add, you know, whatever's in the fridge. Sometimes it's been clean out the fridge soup. You know, I'll put hamburger in there and, you know, carrots. Look, I've got a few green beans left here, a little uh, partial bag of frozen corn and throw it all in there and you got yourself a really nutritious, healthy, inexpensive meal. We've done farmer's markets. Now, depending on the farmer's market, sometimes they're like way more expensive and just because you're having the experience, you know. And so the farmer's markets aren't quite sometimes as good of a deal as they the used to be. The ones that have the high-end boutique attitude, those are the ones you want to avoid. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> or have you ever gone to a farmer's market and there's like hardly any produce there? They're selling socks and headbands and, you know, yeah. all this other yeah. stuff. And you're well, like, I just want some carrots, you know. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, but that can be a great place. Uh, I've gotten hooked up with good farmers there yes. and been able to continue to buy um, eggs from them, even when the farmer's markets aren't, you know, because the weather's mm-hmm. not conducive. We buy eggs, we buy grass-fed um, meat from a gal we met at a farmer's market, and, and we found out if we bought a little extra, we got a discount. So there's so many things you can do, just asking questions and being resourceful. Um, people are generally really helpful. One of the things we did that I've done from the beginning is just to make simple meals from scratch. And I know for some people, maybe you grew up with fast food or eating food that's been pre-prepared, but can I just say there is a lot of junk in those things. And your family could end up, for us, I feel like we ended up healthier because we were on a budget and we made our meals from scratch. Simply making your even making your lasagna versus buying your lasagna in the store um, is much healthier and cheaper. Um, 
so there's just so many simple meals that you can make from scratch that are healthy. We, we never do pop, juice, expensive drinks. We usually just do water and milk. I mean... You want orange juice sometimes, but yeah, mostly yeah. it's just... Sometimes we'll do a little orange juice in the morning, but mostly we've... Especially when all the kids were home. We didn't mm-hmm. do a, a bunch of juice, but I would buy juice sometimes, uh, unsweetened juice, to make popsicles in the summer because that saved a lot of money. Right. Um, I, I wasn't into Kool-Aid for, for popsicles. <laughs> but what's fun about uh, making popsicles in the summer is you can mix um, yogurt, juice, and some fruit all together like in a blender and then put it in your little popsicle things and your kids are actually getting some nutrition and you know something substantial when they have uh, those fun snacks. We gardened. That's not mm-hmm. possible for a lot of people, but maybe you know someone it's with a garden. It's amazing what you can do. Vertical gardens, mm-hmm. container gardens. You, If you've got some space, even if you have a, a deck or a patio or a balcony, you yes. know, you can grow things. Um, it's fun to do with the kids, too. When right. they see a seed that goes into a plant and then actually produces something, that's a great homeschool lesson. But the thing that's great uh, about gardening is there's so many good books out there now on container gardening, mm-hmm. gardening mm-hmm. and you know maybe pick the things like tomatoes can be expensive in the store and they're pretty highly sprayed with pesticides and stuff. So it's really great if you can grow your own and if you've got a spot on a deck like you said, you can actually pull that off. Yeah, you get you know? better food and. You're growing it yourself. Exactly. So if you have room to garden um, and you have extra, which by the way, if you know someone who gardens, that's another thing. We've talked to people that we know that have huge gardens and they have extra stuff that's just going to go to waste. It all comes on at once and they can't necessarily consume it all and they love sharing. Right. And so, so you get the word out and say, hey, if you have extra stuff in your garden, I'd be happy to come and pick it. And that's worked really well. We have friends with trees that they couldn't possibly use all the plums on their tree. So there's so many different things you can do. Um, when we had a garden, we uh, would freeze or dehydrate. And I think it really comes down to your climate. If you live in a warmer climate, dehydrating is the way to go because you can actually do it outside. Mm-hmm. You know, um, Or it'll go faster because you're in a warmer location. Yeah. And you're not using as much electricity to run that dehydrator. Um, We did a lot of freezing because we kept a big deep freezer out in our garage. And since we had four months of winter, you know, the freezer stayed nice and cold and didn't run a lot. (laughs) And you can can if you like to can. Yeah, canning, I found, isn't isn't cost effective because you're usually doing it in the summer and you're... (laughs) running this stove like crazy and <laughs> but if you grow your own stuff and you get it for free and you have a lot that that is a Canning that is, is a, a possibility it, yeah. um it keeps really well that way you can can you can can soups we we know people, you gotta have a pressure cooker for that that's right. a little terrifying but <laughs> <laughs> i haven't i haven't i never really quite crossed over to the pressure we cooker. avoided things that could explode right you know with that many kids around <laughs> you never knew what could happen so um other things we did, I would stretch recipes. Um, I used to stretch them with rice. Like I would make a pound of hamburger and I would add, you know, some cooked rice to it to bulk it up for tacos, for taco soup, different things like that. Now we're kind of, we've, we've gotten away from rice and grains a little more and we use uh, that riced cauliflower from Costco. Or if you get a good deal on cauliflower, you can rice it yourself, you yeah. know, and throw it in the freezer. But that works really well to bulk meals up. 
Um, also, if you go into the store and they have uh, uh, canned items on sale, a lot of times if you buy a case of something, they will actually give you even a, a better deal on it. So if you can go in there and buy unlimited amounts of, you know, canned peaches or whatever, um, you know, ask, ask the question, can, you know, if I buy this in a case, can I get a little better deal? Sometimes we'll give you 10% off, but you know, 10% is 10%, you know, mm-hmm. never hurts to ask. Um, other things, well, you know, for a while, I mean, you know, we love coffee, we love lattes, we like to go out for those, but sometimes that gets expensive. Yeah. So we invested in, I asked for a latte machine, uh, it was years ago, I think, uh, our first one mm-hmm. was for like a birthday or something. And when you think about the fact that every one costs at least probably around 3 to $4, and so if I make a couple for my husband and myself, I just saved 8 bucks. you know, just making it myself. I might have spent a dollar on ingredients, you know. So that's another another option, something that you'd like to go out and have. Maybe figure out how you can make it at home. Um, so that's kind of... Uh, some food ideas. I'm sure that there are more that I'm not thinking of, but there's some things you can maybe try and um, hopefully will be helpful. We're going to move into talking about transportation, and that is more my husband's category. Um, what would you say, you know, when it comes to cars? You said we had two cars when we were first married. We had two cars. Um, we actually got rid of one and went down to one car. Mm-hmm. Um, you were at home and uh, at the time I had a little shop that I worked at every day. But, you know, if you needed the car, it wasn't far for you to drop me off. And then you had the car during the day. Um, it takes a little more thought and coordination. But if you're a stay-at-home mom and you work it out right, you can live with one car. You can. And coordinate that. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not always easy. There were times I felt a little bit trapped, but in when I would talk about, when I would think that through, I, I, I decided I was willing to walk that out because I wanted to see our, um, our, our income do better. We wanted to do better with our budget. So it was a sacrifice. I mean, I'm... I'm we're not going to lie and say that we didn't make sacrifices along the way. I mean, it way. would have been easier to have two cars, but we looked at the cost, and for us at that point, it wasn't worth spending the extra. Uh, we were mildly inconvenienced occasionally, but and it all depends on your situation. If you're somewhere where there's a metro or a bus or Right, or well, something, if you've got kids, that could be a little dicey. Well, I'm just but... thinking for Dad to go to work right, and your mom gotcha. with the car. You know? true, so true. you have to look at what options are out there. And maybe be willing to be inconvenienced just a little bit. Right. Um, you, then you've got one car to, to put fuel in. You've got one car to maintain, one car to insure, one car to license. There's a lot of cost to having a car. And we decided that living with one car, even though it wasn't easy, we decided it was worth it for that season. Now, most of the time, we've had two cars. Right. But we're actually thinking about going back to one now. We are because we're in a place where we can walk um, a lot of the places we I go. I work at home and our children all have cars. So if we need right. to bum a car off of somebody, it's, <laughs> it's payback time, kids. That's so. right. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, you just look at the cost of maintaining and just owning a, a couple cars and if you can do it with one, great. And then our role was, you know, we haven't made a car payment since about 1996. Mm-hmm. So we looked for a a good used car. Um, we took a big come down. We had a newer <coughs> minivan. Right. We sold that. We just bought a 
station wagon. We did, you know, and, and we we had um, a cash. Mm-hmm. That was our commitment. We were only going to buy what we could pay cash. We had for. cash, so we went out and we <laughs> bought it, out, and then we just made sure that we had it checked out at the mechanic. Mm-hmm. Um, and these weren't beater cars. You can get a car a few years old that's in great shape. Um, for me, I tried to look for cars that were owned by older people, yeah, or retired people, because they tended to have the funds and the time, and they came from an era where people maintained things, right? right. So. Um, and even sometimes buying a used luxury car from a retired person uh, is a great way to go. I mean, truthfully, I bought a Mercedes-Benz from a 91-year-old woman who couldn't drive anymore. And yep. she took great care of the car. And That has uh, been probably one of the best cars we've ever owned. Right. And it, the price was modest because it was used, but it was low mileage because she didn't drive a lot. And I had a... It was all checked out by the dealer, you know. Right. So if you, if you do your due diligence, check the car out, make sure, you know, because if you spend a little bit of money and you buy a problem that's going to cost you thousands of dollars to get out of or fix, that's not good. And we are, you know, we don't like driving beater cars. Like my husband is a, he's a, an artist, he's a jewelry designer. So he's visually very attuned to things and he does not like dents in his car and things like that. So he, he might buy an older car, but he will buy one that looks decent. Mm-hmm. And I appreciated that. You know, I mean, I don't know. And some people don't really care, but I, I, I cared. I cared that it, you know, was a decent looking car. It just... wasn't rusting out. We didn't look like a, part of it was we had a lot of kids and people judge, you know, they judge. And if right. you're, I don't know, I felt like if I was driving a beater around full of kids that, that, that would, Having kind a, of be a poor reflection. Having a large family would look unattractive. Right. And, and you know, and we just took care of what we had then. We right. made sure it was washed and it was waxed and it was vacuumed and, you know. Maintained and, it. You know, Dad hollered a little bit every now and then when kids were eating <laughs> in the car. But, you know, we maintained it and kept it up. And, and then also the other thing is knowing when to let go of your used car. Right. You know, we would try to sell it and get into something else while the car still had some value. Right. You know, look for telltale signs of maybe some expensive repairs coming up and right. while it's still running good, maybe that's a good time to sell it and right. get something else. Right. So and have a good mechanic, you know, that's honest and forthright and so that when you go to look at a car, you say, you know, I, I can you look at this vehicle I'm thinking about buying and tell me if you see any costs that might be arising. And sometimes the car, you can go back and you can make a better deal with the person and basically say, it looks like this is going to need some new tires soon or whatever. And can we get it for this price? And, yeah. and you're always really good at that. I like to hide when he's... Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm a little more of a people pleaser and I'm just like, oh, I don't want to make them... I don't want to offend them. And so whichever one of you is the negotiator, right. that's the one that needs to buy the car. And, <laughs> and make the deal. <laughs> and then really do find a good mechanic. Ask around. Get people... You know, ask friends where they go. Because usually... Uh, I mean, if you work for a dealer, I'm sorry, but dealerships tend to be more expensive. Their, right. their hourly rate tends to be higher. Um, find a mechanic that also understands you're on a budget and he's only going to have you fix what needs to be fixed. Right. And if a used part works just fine, then use a used part, you mm-hmm. know. And some, I mean, I know some of you have husbands who can work on cars, oh, which is fantastic. YouTube is amazing. You Any problem <laughs> you have in your car, you can probably find a YouTube video. And if you have some of those skills... 
more power to you. Right. I did not work on cars because it it never went well. It, it didn't go well, trust and me. I had other things I worked on. <laughs> I could build things, but I, I working right. on cars wasn't my thing. So I made sure I had a good mechanic. I actually did a lot of bartering, too, with mechanics, right. you right. know? Yeah, that's true. We did. We would trade for work on the car for a you know piece of jewelry for his wife you know for the mechanic's wife right. or, or so an engagement ring or something and bartering is one way to really stretch your there dollars. we go there's another thing we didn't even have that written down did right. we so bartering yeah we did a lot of that we you bartered um uh, with my hairdresser mm-hmm. for years um you know hairdressers tend to like jewelry so that worked well for yeah, us. I could get a lot of uh, cutting colors for yeah. a couple pieces of jewelry you know so <laughs> <laughs> so there you go so we're going to move into the clothing aspect. Um, well, I, you know, I'm sure you guys all know Goodwill, Salvation Army, you know, and honestly, Walmart has some pretty darn good clothes for, um, for the, you know, a few dollars, oh, especially I've gone for to preschoolers. Goodwill. And I've gone to Goodwill and found something used, and I found the same thing, brand new at the same price at Walmart. Right. It's like, you know. But yard so, sales are awesome. Yeah, we did a lot of yard selling over the years. And we always, I kept bins because, you know, the children kept coming. So I would have, you know, girl bins and boy bins in certain age brackets so that I could um, use the clothes again. And um, that that was a big job. I put a lot of hours into that, but I really think we saved a lot of money. Um, because once you have one of each... Yeah. gender, then you're kind of good to go. You're just kind of filling in the cracks along the way, you know, or socks. That's a whole nother category, but, um, <laughs> socks are consumed by the cosmos constantly. Yeah. We, we feel like socks are of the devil actually, because <laughs> you can never find the matching one. But now the thing is to wear unmatching socks. So I still have a hard time with that, but that all that. Thank you for that trend. Now <laughs> <laughs> I, I was like, why wasn't this in style when all my kids were little, um, but bins of hand-me-downs, save the kids clothes. Um, I never turned down hand-me-downs, ever. People knew that I would happily, joyfully, thankfully take them, even if it meant I had to go through bags and bags of clothes. But I remember one time I was, I we had probably had six kids, maybe seven at the time. And I remember thinking, oh man, a couple of the boys really need jeans, but I can't really go out and get those right now. And, and part of it was just getting to the store because, you know, with a house with full of kids, kids, it was hard. And so I prayed about it. I just said, Lord, I, I, the boy, I got real specific with my prayers. And this is, this is something that I want you to make note of. If you have a specific need, don't be afraid to take that specific thing to the Lord because we have watched him answer specifically over and over and over again. So I prayed this prayer and I came home from the grocery store or something one day and I had bags literally garbage bags full of clothes that someone dropped off I have I still to this day have no idea who it was but they knew we would we had a lot of kids and you know they dropped them off and that was the end of it and I went through that stuff and everything we needed was in those bags. I mean, I had to take a bunch of it to the Salvation Army myself, but I'm okay with that. Right. You know, I got to go through that and filter it, and we ended up having all of our needs met by someone that we didn't even know. We don't even know who it was that dropped them off. So God is so faithful to provide. Um, one thing that, you know, I think we live in a, a culture that is definitely disposable. We tend to throw everything away now 
we cutoffs didn't used to be in style and now they sort of came back again, which has been great because if you've got those jeans that have the whole holes in the knees inevitably, especially if you have boys, um, I got just a really great, um, fabric cutter. It's a circular one and a pad and it's super easy to just, you know, zip the bottom of those pants off and boom, they've got shorts, but well, nowadays you pay extra for holes. So. Right. There you go. So that's the other great trend, right? So learning simple mending on YouTube. Now, I am probably the last person on earth who should be saying this because I stink at sewing and I really stink at mending. But I've done. I've done it over the years as needed, especially if it was something that I felt like, you know, this is still really good and I can fix this little, especially if it was on a seam or something. So just learning uh, some simple mending can really help uh, you know, keep some of your things that are actually still worth something. Some people don't even know how to sew a button back on. You know, a right. pair of pants loses a button. Yeah, it's not that big of a deal to put them back on. YouTube it if you need to. That's exactly right. <laughs> so, um, all right, so we're going to go into the utilities. Uh, again, that's a little more your... He, I would call him the... Uh, electricity Nazi. Yeah, I'm kind of the utility <laughs> Nazi. Um, one thing I learned right from the get-go, do not limit the length of shower that your wife takes. <laughs> you can cut in many areas, but don't mess with her shower. That's right. So I like my hot showers. Just say that to start with. Um, you know, maybe keep the thermostat down a little bit and wear a sweatshirt and wear some sweatpants or just, you know, uh, get some good socks on, you know. So just dress for a little cooler if you're, you know, right. and likewise, if, if you're in a hot climate, you know, wear less right? and use fans <laughs> and get some, keep the air moving and keep the AC right. down a little right. bit. Think of ways to maximize your, your, uh, your comfortable temperature. You know, when we lived in, in Washington, we had, um, the nights were cool. So we would use fans to either, uh, pull in the cool air or push out the warm air. Usually we started out pushing out. Mm -hmm. We would turn the fan so that it was blowing outside and it would suck the warm air from inside the house to outside. And then we'd flip them around when it got even cooler and we'd have the cool air coming in. So figuring out just kind of like, it's kind of problem solving. A lot of what we're talking about here is just problem solving. You know, manage the airflow, get some drapes that you can pull to block the sun if it's heating. And likewise, if you've got great sun in the winter, get those drapes open wide and right. take advantage of a little passive solar, you know. Exactly. So look in your situation and, and work with nature and temperatures and so right. forth to keep your utility bills down. Um, we turn the heat down quite a bit at night and put some heavy blankets on, and actually we seem to sleep better that way. And, right. Um, you know, and turn off lights. They don't need to be on, turn them off. Now they've got some real, real low-use bulbs that last a long time that may cost a little more up front, but they save you a lot. Exactly, um, yeah. And just, and you know, teaching our kids to shut off lights, shut off lights. How many times did we say that? Yeah. Good word. And, you know, with little ones, we'd, we'd run three or so through the bath at the same time right. and, you know, yeah. you when save a little. Yeah, toddlers or a little, uh, you know, yeah, toddlers and, you know, maybe under five or whatever. Right. We could we could do three at once, get them in there, get them out, and then we didn't have to keep filling up the bath the bathtub. Plus, you know, back then, I, I we didn't know that 
bathing them every day was probably not a good idea. Now that's kind of common knowledge that it's not healthy to bathe every day. So we actually were trending well back then because I was like, I would look at the kids and go, you know, I think we can wipe your hands and your face and you're good to go. (laughs) But I remember some of my kids would go outside and get dirty on purpose so that they could take a bath. Right, right. There's that. (laughs) Remember when Luke jumped in the bathtub, he was about a year and a half and he was in his pajamas and he loved baths. And he just jumped right in there with his pajamas on and everything. So we did the laundry and clad and cleaned all at the same time. (laughs) Uh, And then just look for things that are that are power sinks, like, you know, leaving chargers plugged in, TVs on, night lights, just Mm -hmm. anything that is just gonna continually use power. I had a friend who lived off grid and he had a generator and he could couldn't believe all the stuff that just sit and sucks power right, throughout the right. day, you know, uh, clock alarms and things like that. anything with a light or anything that's sort of in a sleep mode that runs by a remote or, you know, right. a lot of those things that if you can turn them off, they're just not going to be sucking power. Um, and, uh, that helps too. So yeah. yeah, it's just kind of just being, uh, doing your due diligence at home and just sort of assessing what situation you're in and what are your biggest challenges as far as keeping a comfortable temperature in the house, either, you know, cooler or hotter. We found this summer, um, you know, we just moved from Washington state to North Carolina. So we experienced our first, uh, kind of Southern summer. We're we're close to the mountains. So we're actually not as bad as a lot of places, but, um, it was still a lot warmer uh, and more humid than we were used to. So adapting to that, we finally figured out a specific temperature that I still slept and didn't wake up three or four times being too warm. And we just kind of kept it at that throughout right. the summer. Um, but, but keeping you, that air circulating. You can invest in a ceiling fan that goes over your bed that's not real expensive. Right. And just having some moving air can help a lot with right. your AC costs. and Exactly. And, and I hate being cold and Right now it's uh, winter, and so uh, you know our, we live in an old house. It was built in 1924. The floors are cold, so I got some slippers that have a rubber sole on them. You know, like a one-inch rubber sole, and they're all furry inside. And that's what I wear all the time because my feet stay warm in those. I put warmer socks on, and maybe I'll throw a sweater on. And we do that so that we can keep our temperature within a reasonable. Well, and if it's cold, you know, if you've got a wood stove and you can find wood and yep. ask around, a lot of people. Uh, have wood available, you just have to go pick it up. You yeah. know, that can help Depends a lot too. Yeah. yeah, yeah. we used to have tons of, you know, fallen trees on our acreage and people would ask, can we come? And we're like, yeah, come and cut. There was enough for everybody. So right. um, again, it's asking, you know, asking the question, who could you have? Be resourceful. Um, entertainment. Now this is something that we learned uh, right off the bat, was you don't cut entertainment out of your budget because you still need a date with your husband or you still need to have some fun in life. There needs to be quality of life. And that doesn't mean it has to cost a lot. No, you need recreation and you need times together, but there's ways to achieve all that without spending a lot of money. Exactly. And and so one of the best things that we've done is look online and, you know, sometimes at the library there will be books there as well. But Look for fun, local, free things to do with kids so you're not driving really far and spending a bunch of gas money. Um, a lot of times, these these things that are free are actually physical things like going hiking or um, you know just doing something out of doors 
that can be not only frugal, but healthy for our families. You know, we kind of are in a culture where people are too sedentary and children are too sedentary. Go hiking, go sightseeing, get some yard games that you can play outside. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. There's fun things we can do at home. Remember we had a, um, we had a volleyball net and volleyball. Mm -hmm. We had a croquet set and, uh, you know, just things we can do at home, have some friends over and play games outside if you can, um, inside if it's winter. Uh, but mostly, I mean, we pretty much stayed home and had fun at home. Every week on Sunday nights was movie and popcorn and apples and smoothies if we happened to have frozen fruit in the house. <laughs> right. Once in a while, hot chocolate. and Right. Um, and even that we would usually make uh, from scratch because... It was healthier. And when we had a lot of little ones, paying a babysitter was expensive. We'd go on a coffee date or, you know, so we'd, maybe we couldn't afford to go out to dinner, but we still went out and spent time together. Right. We used to, we'd drive our big Suburban up on a a hill behind our house where we could actually see the house down below. And we had a a walkie talkie and (laughs) I would go up and lay out a carpet and set up some chairs and we'd have a date absolutely drop-dead gorgeous view and we could hear our kids we could actually see our house but we had some time alone up there you know so get creative um take a take a walk the first time we started leaving the kids for a few minutes at a time you know maybe 20 minutes was was us taking a walk we Mm -hmm. had a walkie-talkie with us if they needed anything but it it was nerve-wracking at first but you know eventually um they got better and better at, you know, the and older we, ones. We had some older ones that were yeah. responsible. But, but before that, you know, we couldn't afford babysitters very readily. Um, so, like you said, it was a cheap date, so we could pay a babysitter so we could go. And, right. and sometimes maybe it's just get a special movie for the kids, get them entertained, and go to your favorite spot in the yard or right. a nook in your room or whatever and just have time together. And right. Sometimes we put the kids, we give the kids a movie in, in, the, in their room, and then we would go and watch something in the living room together. You know, mm-hmm. just, but then the kids saw, they saw that we were, they were, we were making us a priority. Mm-hmm. And our kids to this day, that is just, they know mom and dad are on a date. That's what they so do, you know. Entertainment can build that marriage. We knew that eventually they would be gone mm-hmm. and we would be back to the two of us. And we wanted to make sure that we dated and spent time together and built our relationship. Right. And it's been 27 years and we're still not there. <laughs> Which is actually totally great. We're fine with that. We love uh, we love that we still have three kids at home. But we can leave them and go out of town. We and, can. And they're, they're alive and the house isn't burnt down when right. we get home. So yes, very important. You do reach that point eventually. Right. And it, it, it can be hard in the meantime, but make it a priority. And sometimes we've even put the kids to bed a little early and we had a date night. We'd fix, I would fix a special dinner just for us or just do... Coffee, popcorn, movie, or make you know, a special whatever. dessert or something. It's and, it's know. really just about setting the time aside. It doesn't have to cost an arm and a leg, but it needs to be. Um, I think it needs to be a, somewhat of a priority. Right. And if you're going to go out to a movie, you know, look for the budget theater or the the right. the, the low price night or something. Right. Sometimes or, you can find good Groupons too. Yeah, grab a matinee. You know, look for ways to have your entertainment, but for less. Right. One of the things we liked to do with our family was we would work really hard together. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe we would be gathering firewood or we'd be doing a project in the yard. But the deal was at the end of the day, 
we would have a bonfire and we would um, roast hot dogs and do s'mores. And that is one of the cheapest but most fun things for kids. They loved doing that. There was something real satisfying in working hard together and then playing and relaxing together when right. it was all done. Right. And I think those are some of the fondest memories of our children. Yeah. We're doing those projects, whether it be landscaping or falling trees and doing firewood or to this day they love to sit around a fire together and just talk and tell stories and Mm -hmm. you know it it's it's very um it's heartwarming because it's it really has was a big part of making our family very cohesive so you know one thing that i want to say is that we don't need to be um discontent um i think what I see is God's sovereignty over our lives as, you know, we've always had to live on a budget and yet so many facets to that caused our family to be closer. It's not longing for things you can't have. It's looking for what you can do with God, with what God has given you. Exactly. And if you're creative and ask God for that creativity. Right. Um, it's so much more satisfying when you're enjoying each other and recreating and having fun within your means. It is. There's than so stressing much joy. because yes, you may be having a good time, but in your gut, you're feeling like you've just spent money that you can't afford. There's a stress that comes with that. Yeah. And the other is freeing. And, it is. And really, those are the best times we've had. Well, and they say that there's freedom within boundaries. And there's also that that people are more creative within boundaries. Mm -hmm. Those are just actual principles. And you think about that and you think, wow, we can be so creative within these boundaries. And so we often have looked at it as not a bummer, but as a challenge, like, Mm -hmm. okay. And so he and I together, and sometimes along with the kids, you know, because we've involved them sometimes in how how can we we do this cheaper? How can we... um, you know, how can we do this in a way that uh, works for our family, you know, and, and stays within budget? And our kids are really creative that way because we've had those conversations with them. But I'm thinking about the scripture that says um, not to love money. And we live in a culture that loves money. But be satisfied with what you have. For God has said, I will never fail you. I will never abandon you. So we say with confidence, the Lord is my helper. So I will have no fear. What can people do to me? God is on our side. He is ultimately our provider. And when we complain, we're complaining against him. And and I know it can be a struggle. And sometimes we need to be able to say, I'm really having a hard time with this. But always going back to that place of hope and that place of faith that God is faithful. Um, One of the things that no matter where we've been financially, you have always been adamant about not going without life insurance or medical insurance. Yeah, uh, you can, well, for life insurance, I've heard just too many, just horrible stories about a father of a young family dying unexpectedly and the struggles they have. You know, they're dealing with loss on top of financial struggles. Right. Term life insurance is not very expensive, especially when you're young. Mm And the younger you are when you buy it, the cheaper it's going to be. So my thing was when we got pregnant with our first, I went out and got life insurance. Right. And um, as a single person, I didn't really worry about it so much. But 
Uh, we've always had it. I bought term, you know, and then I was in my late 20s. It was inexpensive. So really, shop it. Life insurance is not very expensive, but it's just, it's just a good thing to do to make sure that if things do go awry, and I got life insurance on Dorenda as well, right. because we homeschool, and if something had happened to her, I wanted to be able to continue living life as close to the way we did before. Right. And that meant continuing to homeschool, and if I was working all the time to cover things, I wouldn't have been able to do that. So I would say look into your options. It doesn't have to be expensive, and the younger you are when you get it, and get a 20 or 30 year term. What are you talking, can you think of like what, what do you think a payment would be? I think somebody in their mid 20s can get uh, a quarter of a million dollars of life insurance for, I'm guessing for 14, 15 bucks a month. Wow. You know, wow. if you're healthy. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I know for the two of us, and I bought a 25 year term policy in my 40s. Um, and even the both of us, with half a million on each of us, it's nobody pick us off now. <laughs> I was um, like, I'm worth more dead than alive. <laughs> you know, ours is like $75 a month for both of right. us. And that will carry us until I'm, uh, until I can start drawing Social Security. Right. You know, right. so and by then the children will be out of the house. I timed it so that we would, it would cover us until a point where if something happened to me, you would have Social Security. Right. We would have no children to take care of, you know, so... It's not fun to plan those things, but just do it and then know that it's taken care of. Right. Medical insurance, medical bills, they can completely bankrupt you. Right. So at least get something that's major medical. There's medical share programs like Samaritan's Purse and MediShare and things like that that, that you know, at least at least get something major so that if something happens, it's not going to devastate your finances. Right. If you can afford better insurance, great. Right. But, Again, you know, shop it because shop it. we There's, did that and found that we were could save a lot of money. Um, we found someone who we just asked around, actually. And I've mostly been self-employed, so mm-hmm. I haven't had it as a benefit from somewhere. I've pretty much had to buy my own. Right. So right. Uh, that's one thing that just... Don't, how would you say, don't presume upon God in that area. I mean, I know he can take care of you, but let's do our due diligence and make right. sure that we cover that. Right. Well, in Proverbs, it says that, you know, um, a wise man looks ahead, and but the fool keeps going and suffers for it. Mm-hmm. So we want to be wise in our decisions and, you know, just knowing that, I mean, it would be hard enough just losing my husband and the father of my children but to have financial burden on top of that would almost be unbearable. And so I'm thankful that that security has always been there for me. And I think as women, especially, we need to know that we're going to be taken care of. You know, um, right. maybe that's old fashioned, but I, you know, I believe in that. So mm-hmm. um, one, uh, one chapter in Psalm that I love is, and I'm not going to read the whole thing, but Psalm 34 is one that I love to read. So if you guys want to go and read that, and there's just a lot of reassurances in there as to just what a provider God is. Um, Matthew 6, 24 to 34. And this has to do with, you know, again, that, that love of money. We have a culture that is really um, 
set on, you know, if you're successful, if you have money, that's, that's the mentality. And yet God's economy is so much different than that. And even, even in worrying about money, we are to a certain degree can be trying to serve two masters. If we're not trusting God and going to him and asking him for provision and laying all of this at his feet, um, we can end up trying to serve two masters. And in Matthew 6, it says, no one can serve two masters for you will hate the one and love the other. You'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. And so even in the worrying, we can be enslaved to money. And he says, goes on to say, this is Jesus talking, that is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life. Whether you have enough food and drink or enough clothes to wear, isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? Look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store in barns for your heavenly father feeds them. And aren't you far more valuable to him than they are? Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? And why worry about your clothing? Look at the lilies of the field and how they grow. They don't work or make their clothing yet Solomon and all his glory was not dressed as beautifully as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for wildflowers that are here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. Why do you have so little faith? So don't worry about these things saying, what will we eat or what will we drink or what will we wear? Um, These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers, but your heavenly father already knows your needs. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and he will give you everything you need. So don't worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. And I don't think that Jesus is saying not to look ahead or to plan ahead. What he's saying is not to be consumed by that and to forget that it's God who loves us, who knows every hair on our heads and understands all the facets way beyond what we do. He even understands all of our finances and all of our needs way beyond what we understand. And so since his understanding is so great, we can go to him and say, Lord, we don't understand this. Show us what to do. And in James 1, it says, if you lack wisdom, just ask God and he'll give it to you. But you've got to believe and not doubt because again, if we doubt, we're double-minded in all of our ways and we're going to be waffling and thinking, is this what we're supposed to do? Is this what we're supposed to do? But believe that he will give it to you. Um, If you have a chance to uh, maybe do something like the Dave Ramsey uh, financial piece um, that there are some really great ideas. We haven't done every single thing that that particular program right. suggests. We, you know, we always believe that, you know, you can, uh, you can glean from these things and then we pray and ask the Lord to lead us, you know, in, um, as we go. And maybe there's a few things that we did a little bit differently and that's what God led us to do. I can say that ultimately what ended up happening and I, failed to mention this at the beginning, but all these years, we didn't only just raise our family. This last year, we were able to pay for our home. So this was a goal that you've had since we were oh, first yeah. married. Our We moved, we made a move from Washington State to North Carolina, and with that equity that we took with us, we were able to buy our home that we're living in, and it's paid for. We were also able to buy a little home that we've turned into an Airbnb 
mm-hmm. that is now generating income for us. Well, and that's one thing you might need to consider. I mean, if you're living in an area where it's very expensive to live, real estate is very expensive, taxes are high, um, consider, consider a, move. a move. You know, for us, we, we're uh, in our 50s and, you know, retirement Though we'll probably always be busy doing things, but we want to—we don't want to be strapped to big payments and debt. We want to be able to slow down and enjoy our grandchildren right. and help out our adult children. And so for us, just having that home paid for and the security of having your home right. paid for was important. Right. And so we made the move where a place we love, but still real estate was considerably less and taxes were lower. And so it enabled us to do these things. Um, just something to consider. We also did a lot of, we remodeled houses, we right. built a couple houses. And, and Daryl's not a construction guy, but he can. He learned a lot of stuff along the way and things we couldn't do, we hired out, and we didn't take on projects that we couldn't handle. Although sometimes I have to say, <laughs> once we got into them, we were like, what, what did we just we do? Done? But that's where the but optimism paid off. You probably would have never done it we if you weren't have. optimistic. And once you're in the middle of it, you figure out a way to get it well, finished. And, and yeah, God is so faithful. We watched is. him work things out, provide what we needed. I mean, the whole thing really honestly has just been a faith walk. It has been a walk of, you know, sometimes worrying, sometimes being fearful, sometimes having to go without Never without food but or always, the important things. But always landing in a point where we are awed at God's love and care yes. for us and his provision. Yes. He always takes care of us. He and does. And he does it in his way. That's the other thing is you can't prescribe the course that God is going to take in your provision. Just look for the surprises. Look right. for the ways that he chooses to do it. Because exactly. he's a God who parts Red Seas mm-hmm. and, and he does things his way. So watch for that and, and receive it. and Follow his be, lead. Right. Don't be surprised by it because you never know where he's going to fill a need or bring provision. That's right. That's right. So um, I guess all that to say, we just want to encourage you today to trust the Lord with your finances and remember that he is so, so faithful. We've watched him work in our own lives. We've watched him work in other people's lives. And um, we've got a lot of years behind us to look at. And uh, it's, it's fun. It's a fun place to be. And so we are here today to encourage you that uh, God is faithful. So we're going to take a few minutes just to pray over you and your families and your finances. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for this time together. God, we thank you for all the ways that you're working, Lord. Sometimes it seems like you're doing nothing, Father, but we know, I know from experience that often that's when you're doing the most, Lord. You quite often call us to wait on you. And so we declare that even though we may not see everything you're doing, we know that you are always working on our behalf in every area of our lives, and we thank you for that. Thank you that you are a redeemer. You're a redeemer of relationships. You're a redeemer of hearts. You're a redeemer of marriages. You're a redeemer of finances, God. And we, you love to bless your kids. And, and like Daryl said a little while ago, it may not look exactly like you expect, but receive it as from you, God. We thank you that you are faithful, Lord. Give us eyes to see where you're working. I pray that you would give each and every family that's listening wisdom and clear direction, Lord. Give them hope. Give them provision. Help them to see your hand at work in all the ways that you're providing, Lord. Help us to be content 
with what you bring us, Lord. I I know in, in the scripture, David says, help us to be content with our daily bread so that uh, if we're, we're not so poor that we're tempted to steal and be dishonest and we're not so rich that we forget who it is that provides for us, Lord. We thank you for your goodness to us, God, and we praise you and we expect good things from you, Lord. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. amen.